0: Uh, 2 Samuel 23, just two verses here in the middle, verses 11 and 12. Uh, and unfortunately, when it's a short passage, it doesn't always mean a short sermon, but uh, uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us. I'm excited about his word. Second Samuel twenty-three, eleven. These are the mighty men of David. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together unto a troop, Where there was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Lord we thank you so much for your word today we thank you for the awesome service we've already had Lord we can feel the power of your Holy Spirit we can see the results of answered prayer and Lord I'm so thankful for it Lord you are a miracle working God and Lord I pray that you would continue Lord as we get into your word Lord that you would challenge us show us draw us close to you and Lord that we uh, too would take up the spiritual battles Lord and, and just trust you and Lord that you would bring great victory today lord we thank you for all things in jesus name we pray and amen Amen. second samuel 23 the whole chapter there's some final words of david in the beginning but after that it starts to talk about 37 of David's mighty men. You may have heard of some of them, you may have not, but a few of them have little quick stories just like the one I read uh, several years ago. I preached on the one actually right before this one, verses 9 and 10, that's Eleazar, uh, and his hand claved to the sword. You know, he, uh, his hand grew weary from fighting, but he would not let go of the sword, Amen. Uh, It didn't matter how uh, tired he got. He just would not let go. Uh, And one of the things in that message uh, that the Lord gave me back in 2018 uh, was we can't let go of the sword. And one of the things that blessed me in that passage, I had it marked in my Bible. I didn't even remember it until I was looking again at this passage. But verse 10, this is not even what we're going to talk about. But it says, and his hand clave to, not his sword, the sword. Right? His hand. He would not let go of the sword. And if we want spiritual victory, we can't let go of the sword either. Uh, What is this Bible? It is sharper, it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, But these mighty men, like I said, some of them have a description. And we are going to look at the one after it, Shammah. Uh, uh, He is the next one that you get a little uh, description here. uh, In verse 11, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite, And the Philistines were gathered into a troop, and there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Since we only get two verses about him, you've got to look very closely at each part of it. Amen. Sometimes we get huge passages and, and, you know, it's a lot of verses to take in, but this is just two sentences basically uh, talking about it. Uh, but also one of the things you've got to realize is you're saying, Mike, I wish there were more details to the story, but here's the thing. If God doesn't want to give those to us, this is what he wants us to focus on. Amen. This is what he wants us to look at. But we see Shammah, again, one of the mighty men of David, uh, versus the Philistines that are gathered into a troop. So there's a group of soldiers. We have no idea how many, but I'm sure there's a lot of them. Uh, Way uh, too many for one man to handle. Uh, But you see, so Shammah's outnumbered. But guess what? In the Old Testament, the children of Israel are outnumbered just about every single time. Amen? They're always outnumbered, uh, but with the the part that blesses me that it doesn't matter how large the enemy is, God can still prevail. Amen? It doesn't matter how many uh, there are the Philistines or the Amalekites or anyone else. uh, That never slowed God down. In fact, the only thing that I find that, that prevents the victory uh, are, are two things. Either, number one, they didn't obey what the Lord told them to and they didn't get the victory, or they didn't trust the Lord. They trusted in themselves and they didn't get the victory, or their sin in the camp and they didn't get the victory. That's about all I can find. But apart from those few things, it didn't matter how many. But imagine what these ones that are fleeing are saying. It's useless. There's too many of them. We're outnumbered, right? They're saying all these things. uh, We might as well just run. And here's the thing that's the sad truth. I don't care what it used to be like in our country or what it used to be like in our state or what it used to be like in our county and our neighborhood and everything else. It's not the same anymore. Amen? Amen. Christians that want to follow the Bible are outnumbered today Amen. by those that don't. And the world and everyone else. We're not in the, in the majority. In fact, people talk about being a Christian nation. I'm not even sure we're that anymore. At least not the Christianity I want to be. But that's okay. It's not okay because we're giving up. It's okay because God has never needed the majority. Amen? Amen. Oh, it makes us angry at the ballot box when we don't win, right? When we're in the minority. But God doesn't need the majority. He needs people that are faithful and will trust in him. Amen? Amen? There's more of them. There's so many more that want to flee sound doctrine today. So many that want to refuse to live righteously and biblically today. So many that will fold and compromise uh, to this world's political correctness and everything else. But here's the thing. Every time we face a spiritual battle, you might as well just get ready and assume there's more enemies than on your side. Just get ready for it. But why are there more enemies? Do you see what it says? And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. Do you see what's happening right here? Yes, they're outnumbered, uh, but there's more enemies because the enemy is coming together. They're banding together, right? Have you noticed that lately? There's more and more groups that didn't really get along, but they're coming together to come against Jesus Christ in the Bible and everything else. They're banding together. Well, this isn't anything new. Remember when Jesus uh, was uh, ready to be tried and Pi- he was tried before Pilate first, the governor. And then when he found out he was from the other territory, he sent him off to Herod. And then Herod was excited because Herod had wanted to see Jesus and see some kind of miracle or something like that. And, and, but the problem is Jesus for Herod, the, Jesus didn't say anything to Herod and Herod sent him back. Well, in that little uh, passage, in that little series of events right there, the Bible tells us that Pilate and Herod were enemies until that day. Yeah. They became friends after that. What were they friends about? They had a problem in Jesus Christ, and they didn't know how to solve it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They came together. And there's many, many different uh, examples in the Bible, but I'll give you a future example. There are countries in the Middle East today that hate each other. And I'm not talking about Israel. I'm talking about other than Israel. But I'll tell you one thing. They will come together one day and form a band and attack Israel. The church will be gone, but that's going to happen. You're saying there's no way. I guarantee it will happen. The Bible says it will. They will put down all of their differences. Even though they have different forms of Islam, they'll put that down and go against God. And they'll lose. Yeah. But this is what's happening. So it shouldn't surprise us when different groups out here are coming together to go against the church. That's going to increase. And then look at verse 11. Here's what they're fighting over. This is, the, this is where Shema is standing. Uh, it's, the place is a piece of ground full of lentils. And that's a plant that they would use. It's kind of like a bean or a pea or something like that, uh, that they would make soup with. In fact, this is the the lentil soup is what uh, Jacob made and Esau sold his birthright for. It's the same lentils. But here's what the Philistines would do. They would let them get the ground ready, right? They'd let them plant the seed. They'd let the the rains come. They'd let them weed it and do everything they needed to do. And just before the harvest, they would attack. Yeah. They did this over and over again, whether it's the lentil field, the barley and everything else. That's what they did. That way they didn't have to do any of the work, but they could steal the harvest. Yeah. That's what the Philistines would do. That's what they're getting ready to do again with this field of lentils. They're trying to do the same thing. And I guarantee this isn't the first time that Shammah had seen this. And this isn't the first time that those that were running away had seen this either. They're like, well, here's another harvest we're going to lose. And you're thinking, well, uh, you know, it's I mean, it's one field. But here's the thing. That was the food, part of the food they needed to get them through the winter. And not only that, they needed those seeds to then, some of them to replant again. But here's the people fleeing. Because you got the Philistines, many more of them. But what's Shammah going to do? No one else is going to stay and fight. And he's probably asking himself, what should I do? Should I run with the rest of them? Is this field worth dying to save? He's asking these things. And it would have been a strong temptation to give up and run like everyone else. But what's he do? Verse 11 ends with the people fled from the Philistines, but verse 12 starts with, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. He said, I don't care if everyone else runs. I don't care if everyone else gives up. I'm going to stand here. I'm not fighting. I'm standing my ground. I am going to go against the enemy. I'm not running. Amen. Don't we need more of that today? We need that. And guess what? The Lord gave me this last night while I was looking at this. Look really closely. But he stood in the midst of the ground. And you're thinking, well, what's the big deal? You know what it doesn't say? He stood in the midst of his ground. It says the ground. You know what that tells me? This isn't even his field. Right? This is not even his you thinking, Mike, does that really make a difference? It made a difference for Eleazar, a verse or two ahead, right? It wasn't his sword, it was the sword. It wasn't his field, it was the ground it was a field it was a place and he's saying hey you know what this land belongs to israel Uh, we are god's chosen people this belongs to god this is his harvest Uh, we're going to give a piece of it back to him we're going to live off the rest of it Uh, i am going to stay and fight for this ground that doesn't even belong to me and i was like my goodness You know what I think what Shammah got to the point of that day? He's saying, you know what? We're not giving another inch to the Philistines. That's it. No more. I don't care what I'm standing in. They're not getting it. You see his mindset that day? But you know what the Philistines are? They're a spiritual picture of what the devil does. That's what the devil does, doesn't he? He does the exact same thing. He takes what does not belong to him right? And what will he do? He'll let us do all kinds of work. And just at the point of harvest, tries to pluck it out. Amen. Just him. I mean, he will let, I mean, people will go really far in the Lord. And then all of a sudden, before they can finish strong in the Lord, he's going to start going after them. You know what I've seen the devil do? He does not fight fair. And I have seen people when they, I have seen Christians that have been a, a strong Christian for decades and decades of their life. I mean, working hard for the Lord. And they get in those last final years when the mind starts getting, starts to decay, when they're, when they're lonely, when their body is hurting and they're fighting disease and everything else. I've seen them at the end start to question everything. That's the devil. He does not fight fair. In fact, I think at the end of life he farts, he fights harder than in the middle of our life. Yeah. Because he can go after it just like these scammers that I run into at work, they run into the old they go after the older people too, the same reason. The devil doesn't fight fair. But Shema says not today. They are not taking this. They take the lentil field today. They're going to take the barley field tomorrow. They're going to take the grapes out of the vineyard after that. We're stopped. It's stopping today. That's what he's saying. And he sent the enemy a message that day. In fact, I bet they were surprised that one man would stay and fight. One man would even do that. Because you know what the devil loves to do? He loves to cause us to run. And the reason they ran is intimidation and fear. There's too many of them. They're stronger, right? But here's the thing. Nothing scares the devil more than when a Christian will say, you know what? I'm tired of backtracking. I'm tired of compromising I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut I'm tired of letting this world dictate everything around me I'm tired of the devil trying to steal my family and everything else nothing scares the devil more than when we stop and say you know what devil you've had enough ground you're not taking anymore and that's what he said that's it you've taken ground before this is it this is it I don't care whose family member or anything else. He said, I'm not, fi- I'm not going to run. I'm going to stop and fight. But here's, here's what happens today. Here's what we think is fighting. If I, I hear something bad and then I just say a quick prayer and that's it, that's not fighting. That's not what he's talking about. And we're not fighting over a field of beans or peas or whatever you call it. We're fighting over souls today. It's a spiritual warfare. We don't have swords and spears, but we're fighting on our knees. What's it say? He stood, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. He stopped. He stood his ground. He trusted in the Lord and the Lord brought the victory. Shammah did not defeat the Philistines that day. The Lord did. Amen. He could have ran on his own power and his own strength. But instead he stopped and he relied on the Lord's strength, and he got victory from it. In the New Testament, I believe the verses that coincide with this are 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 through ten. And it says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the face, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. They could see the Philistines coming, but we don't always see the spiritual enemies ahead of time. They could sneak up on us. The devil's trying to intimidate, right? That's what a lion does. Have you ever been to the zoo? You're not even close to where the lions are, but they roar. You can hear it throughout the whole thing. Why are they roaring? To intimidate so they can get a meal, to scare. That's what they're doing. That's what the devil's doing. He's roaring. But the Bible says resist steadfast in the faith. Resist, hold firm Be fixed. Say, I'm not giving in. With every roar, we need to respond uh, with God's promises, respond with prayer, and be steadfast. That doesn't mean moving, compromising, backtracking, running, or anything else, but staying right there, just like Shammah did. Verse 9 ends with this, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. That's a long way of saying we are not alone. Amen? We're all facing different spiritual battles. We're not alone. So we can come together and we can fight together. We can pray for one another and encourage one another. That's one of the great things about coming together in the Lord's house is we can encourage and strengthen one another. Because the devil wants to isolate. The great prophet Elijah wanted God to take his life and he was done. Why? Because he was alone in a cave. And he thought, I'm the last one. And that still small voice said, you're not alone. There's thousands that have not given up, haven't bowed the knee to the idols and anything else. You're not alone. And I'm here to tell you today, you're not alone either. We might not all be facing the same spiritual battle, but I guarantee there are enough of us that have faced similar ones that we can help one another. Amen? Amen. We need to stand together by faith. Resist the devil, verse 10. of So 1 Peter 5, 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye hath suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Four things he says right there real quick. He says, he promises, I will make you perfect. And the King James, that means complete, right? He'll give us everything that we need. When we resist the devil and are steadfast, he'll give us what we need. He'll establish us. He'll put us in the right place. He'll help us to stay there. He'll strengthen us, uh, which we need his strength, and he'll settle us. We are living in unsettling times today, aren't we? This world is all over the place. He says, I'll settle you. You know how he anchors us through this right here. This Bible does not change, and he will anchor us to it. And we can, doesn't matter the storm, doesn't matter where this world goes back and forth, we can be steadfast. And you know what? I'm glad we can look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know what he did when the time was coming that he would go to Jerusalem that he would offer his life for us that he would die for the sins of the world Luke nine fifty one ends in this says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem he said you know what I am facing the biggest spiritual battle of all he was going to fight the devil, pay the punishment, the wrath of God for our sins, hang on the cross, bleed and die for us, and he steadfastly looked to Jerusalem, and he said it doesn't matter what's coming, I will go to that cross, I will die for them because I love them, and I will give my life for the sheep, and I'll I'll be uh, uh, buried, but I'll rise again on the third day. Jesus Christ did not waver, he went straight to the cross it didn't matter what was in the way he knew what was coming we don't even know what's coming he knew what was coming and he steadfastly looked and he said I'm not going anywhere else but Jerusalem As the hours come the time has come Jesus can be steadfast and Shammah could be said steadfast then we need to be steadfast but in order to stand our ground we have to ask this question. Remember Shamma is there in that field. That's not even his. But the question you have to answer. What is your field? What's your field? What does the devil want to take? What is the devil attacking? Right? Is he attacking something with you? Or a lot of times if he can't get with you for a while. He'll attack your family. Right. That's what he did with Joe. Uh, I I said it in Sunday school. Uh, One of the reasons that pulled me to this passage uh, is earlier this week. I heard word of the devil attacking a marriage that's about to uh, just looks like it's about to be done to Christian people. And it broke my heart and I'm sick of it. And I thought, you know what, devil? I am so tired of you taking things. I'm so tired of you breaking up marriages. I'm so tired of, of these ones that we love and we work with, and our friends and family and everyone else that are living and, and running down a path to destruction, to hell, and don't even realize it. I'm tired of it. Amen. And it got to the point where the Lord is asking, What is your field? What are you willing to stand for? And what are you willing to say? I'm not moving anymore. I'm done. Amen. And that's what he's asking. What is that field? What's he taking? Many of you know what it is in your life. But here's the thing. Not only do we have fields ourselves. We got fields around us. Right. Amen. Shama fought in another field. I think sometimes we have to not only fight our field, but take another field too. Right. Say, so you know what? That brother, that sister that I love, that I, I worship with, they've got a field the devil's attacking to. And we ought to say we're tired of that too. Amen? We're done. So here's the thing. We've got to stand up. And we got to fight. See in those days it was easier to visualize. You pick up the sword. You put the armor on. You stand there. Well today it's a little different. We're not fighting over physical land. But it's a spiritual thing. So we have to fight with spiritual weapons. And that's taking promises of God. From his word. And that's praying and interceding. Amen. So what's that mean? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. These altars haven't been used as much as they need to. But here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna open this up.